told you who I thought I was. A guy. There's no excuse for not living up to your fullest potential. No excuse. Let's do it, Black Excellence. Let's go. go, 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 go. What's going on, Say Loud Podcast? It's your host, Boogie the Beast. I am sitting down in Oakland with a young legend, a young OG. Somebody in the street, somebody doing it good for the community, the people around him, and now he's trying to affect the next generation. My man, Mr. Fab, Fabby Davis. How's it going, brother? Appreciate I'm, you being up here. Absolutely. I'm blessed, man. So this is my, actually my first time in Oakland. Came up, uh, went up to the Marshawn Lynch store, paid homage to the Beast Mo guys from Skittles, and then came over to Dope Era, man. Uh, just real quick question. I won't take you too long, but uh, what is it like, you know, just growing up in Oakland, just from looking back to like till now? Well, it's an experience and enjoying. Uh, the voyage is something that one can um, can say is very rare. It's very uh, it's different growing up here. It's Oakland has its own uniqueness about it, just as well as every other city has their own individual. Like we all have a. This is your city, man. You know, you have your Brooklyn has its own Brooklyness. You know, mm-hmm. Baltimore, Denver, so on and so on. It's just here. The cultural aspect of Oakland is, is deeply embedded in the gravel, and people have grown to learn to accept uh, the things that we cannot change about it. You know, there are certain stigmas, there are certain um, complexes, and a lot of things that come with this city being from here. Always having a, a chip on the shoulder, then always being very innovative, feeling as if they've been overlooked, and you grow up with that mentality. I think if I would have to describe Oakland, with a sports metaphor, I think metaphorically it would be like a Damian Little or it would be like a Marshawn Lynch. Mm. Those are two guys that come from this city, but just the way that they play on the court, on the field, is uh, it signifies what it is like to be from Oakland. They play with a chip on their shoulder. And and you've held that for a long time, not only in the music career, but you know what you've been doing in the community and all that stuff. Now going from being a product, you know, of of looking up to the people who have done it to giving back now and, and having a shop in the yeah, shop in the shop of people, you know, greeting everybody coming through the door. Like, how does that feel to be able to be on the other side now and reaching back? Well, I feel like there's no one side of this or one side of that. It's just a, it's a the playing field and watching the field. You know, as a lion would be on the Serengeti and you're watching and you're just seeing the zebras, the deers, the whatever it may be, you know, the the, the, the llamas, you <laughs> sit back and you learn to watch mm. and you learn to realize and, and recognize as well as observe the characteristics of all animals around you. Um, and when in position, you have to shape shift. So sometimes it's morphing into what it is that you wish to be. And that ability has grown keen here just being able to say through our observation skills we've learned how to shape shift mm. and, and in the shape shifting of that I can go from brown on the block to brown at the billboard or brown at the blackboard you know from from the strip club to the symphony and uh, Oakland gives you that that code switching ability it teaches you that I feel that so when it comes to the, the code switching and ability in the music now, you know, back in the day, back in my high school days, I'm, I graduated in 2010, you know, showing off my age a little bit, but Mr. Fab was was legitimately Prince of the O. Do you still hold the Prince or do you, you know, like, how do you, what was your impact in music from then until now? Do you think it's changed or do you still kind of approach it the same way as you did when you started? Um, my musical passion has never sought after a title. Hmm. 
regardless of what I'd identify with and different monikers that I went with or marketing strategies that we inoculated into our marketing ability to make people see, uh, receive us as they, as they would, uh, perceptional-wise, it never was about a title, you know, and, and it still isn't. My passion, my passion for music has been before I even had a rap name, before I just knew that I loved writing, I knew that I loved making music. My first time getting in the studio was like something that was so indescribable. It's, it's indescribable. I, I, I could never describe that feeling and was that passion. It was like when a person reaches the ultimate climax in what it is that they're doing. And it was paramount for me to get into those studios. And ever since then, I still say I approached the studio like it was the first day I went in there. How old were you when you first went into your studio or um, that experience? 14. 14, 14. years old. And, uh, first time I went to a studio. And did you, were you just in there like kind of just seeing it or were you actually like, yo, hop in this booth and get to it? Um, the first time I went to the studio, I was rapping at school um, on the playground and one of my mentors to this day, Chauncey Anderson, had said, let's go to the studio and let's see if you know can record some of this stuff. And... Um, I don't think I got butterflies, but I got a kind of like jittery, just like, oh, I'm going to the studio. Oh, all right, all right. And um, at this time, it was just me going in there, just being excited to be there. We went there and um, we recorded. It was the first time I had heard myself, actually, um, on, you know, a, a tape. And I hated my voice, <laughs> just based off the fact I had a super high-pitched voice. And after studying you know, musicians and historians and uh, other engineers and people giving me advice, I learned to use my voice as an instrument. And um, that instrument has opened up a life for me that, uh, that people dream about. Absolutely. When it comes to the people you studied, just to give a few, um, you know, who did you, not idolize, but who did you look up to? Who, who have you been, I guess you could say, most influenced about when it came to your music and still to this day? No, most definitely idolize is the right word. Um, I feel like so much has been given to people nowadays on the criticism side of looking up to people or looking to others for influence and, and energy that they coined the term dick riding mm. for minimum acts. You know, it's not dick riding if someone influences you. It's not dick riding if you tell someone, bro, I appreciate you. It's not dick riding if you admit to being influenced and idolizing someone. Um, it's actually being honest with yourself. Just like a person would say crying is a sign of weakness, it's actually a sign of strength because you have an ability to not be afraid to be perceived as anything. Um, so you're giving that up. You know, crying is cleansing, and many of us have to do that sometimes. So let's break those barriers first. Um, those people that I idolized was people like Too Short, um, LL Cool J, E-40, Mac Dre, MC Hammer. Um, of course, Jay-Z is one of my current, um, someone who I idolize and someone who I look to be as, um, because not to be like, but to be as, and the actions and the ways and the means and the efforts of things that he does, not only in music, but outside of music. Jay-Z is like the epitome of someone who comes from the levels and the ranks of life that he's come from, and he's grown to the upper echelons. He actually is the upper echelons of hip-hop, hmm. um, perspectively, and that's someone who I look up to in all of his moves and everything that he's done, and I've tried to mirror that uh, in microcosm stage of what we do in the Bay Area, but even to take it even further. Um, and those, you know, those are just some of the 
few little experience, you know, influences that I could I could mention now just offhand, freelance, freestyling. Hmm, for sure. So speaking about that, going off a little bit of music and then just a couple more questions. When it comes to like the lingo and stuff like that, like you guys have obviously coined and you talk about on your Instagram live sometimes a lot of the, the sayings and the slang as you've started it up here in the north north uh ooh, God, northwest, excuse me. And then kind of just taking it all through the United States, you know, like, how does it feel that, like, when you go out, like, people are saying the things that came from Oakland, you know, through your music, through other people's music, you know, as you continue on the Oakland legacy? Well, and, and, and humbling terminology and references, one must understand that the Internet has made the world one city. Whew. And in that influence is more direct than it's ever been mm. in these times. Therefore, someone can grow up in Harlem and sound like they're from Houston. Um, someone can grow up in Holland and sound like they're from Harlem. Mm. Uh, the internet has made the world one city. So for a person to be upset and angry, like many of us have done in, before in the past, has... Um, it is not to adhere to responsibility in the realm of which we live in. You're not respectfully respecting it because you're being ignorant to the power of your influence. Mm. So, you know, never get mad that someone is sounding like you or doing as you and just look at it as influence because when you're young, you feel like, oh, I want my credit. I want this. <clears throat> when you start getting older, man, you grow out of that. You're like, I don't give a fuck about my credit, man. Uh, yeah, whatever. You, you know where it is, you know. And if right. you don't know, hey, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Because if not, you know. you'll be like Little Richard. You ever watch a Little Richard interview? If you haven't, it's something that you should see. It's crazy. Because Little Richard, in every interview that he's almost ever done, he always complains about, and I won't even say complain. I won't. Because that's to be naive and to be disrespectful to his legacy and his contributions to this realm. But he always brings up the fact that many people stole from him and stole from this rock and roll genre, from that rock and roll genre, and he was never accredited. So it was kind of like Rodney Dangerfield, like we get no respect. Right. But when you get older, man, I just feel as if perspectively you begin to look at things differently. Like those things aren't important to me no more. You know, you credited whatever. At the end of the day, I know what I did because we're living in times where people don't do research at all. It's true. We it's only get our gratification. We get our information from 30, 30 second updates. And Twitter and, and you know, you know mean, little you things. Yeah. 140 characters. And if you can't tell me everything that I need to know about this, then I don't feel the need to go research it. So we have instant gratification in the microwave age and we're in the Aquarian age. So things will be exposed at a minimum mat, uh, platform. So at the impulse of that it comes in, that's how people take it. They never, they never go out to choose to study beyond what social media releases. Mm. So if it's not there, I don't want to know about it. And and I don't care about it. Like, you know what I mean? Whatever. Like we, we live in the moments. Like right now, no one gives a fuck what Michael Jordan did except for people who were able to witness Michael Jordan play. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They'll say Kobe Bryant's the greatest and then they'll argue LeBron James is the greatest. And now you have people nowadays that will even argue Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is the greatest. Greatest so on and so forth. It's some even Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry. You know, it just all depends on where you at and your perception. But no one will go out and say, Well, I've watched tape of Wilt Chamberlain, or I've watched tape of Bill Russell. They don't care about those that came before them. That's why it's so easy for a person to make 
the mistake of saying something that offends our ancestors mm. or something that offends those that have fought for certain things. You know what I mean? For several years, we fought for civil rights, but we never thought to be mindful to fight for human rights. Mm. You know what I mean? How can you ask for civil rights? It's a lot of reading. Yeah, I like know? that. Yeah. You know, I mean, civil rights is something that someone fresh off a boat can come to America and get. But here it is. We've built America on the backs of our labor and hard earth, and we're still fighting for civil rights. So, you know what I mean? It's all about. <laughs> Damn, that's heavy. That's, that's definitely a research topic when we get home. I <laughs> promise that. I promise that. One more question, and I'm going to let you roll out. Um, you know, just everything that you've been doing in the community. This is my obviously first time I said in Oakland, but I've seen you from Instagram, do other things, doing backpack drives, going out and talking. You've come out to Arizona a few times. This was the first time I met you at uh, Fashion for a Cause. When you came out for uh, one of the shows a couple years ago. Yep, the homie, uh, Freeze. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the legacy that you want to continue to to grow in Oakland, um, you know, into STEM research, into the community's involvement, um, you know, just where where does the legacy, well, beyond music and beyond, beyond what you're able to do to continue to grow into others, what is what is that one thing? Well, the curation and the legacy is in the making now. Um, someone asked me, even earlier today, um, when they, they were they were purchasing my book that I, that I released earlier this year, and they were saying, um, "Is this your autobiography?" And I said, "Not at all. Like the greatest things of my life have yet to happen yet. I'm only in the first quarter. You know, I've got the first, second quarter. I'm in the second quarter, uh, second quarter of my life, and you know." Halftime, you haven't even seen the halftime show yet. <laughs> uh, so the, the legacy is to continue to improve on, for one, being a better father. To me, that's more important than anything that I've ever gained, any accolade or accomplishment that I can spew and speak about on my behalf. Uh, being a father has been my greatest contribution to this realm, you know, and, and that's something that I take pride for based off the fact that I grew up without a father. Mm. My father died early, and I know what it's like growing up in a cold world where it seems as if you have no guidance from a male. So me being uh, influential in my daughter's life is the most important thing to me, beyond money, beyond any of those things. Um, So that's something that I definitely want to be improve on because it's very hard being a father now with so many outside distractions and uh, children that have access to the same things that adults have access to. Mm. It was once separated. It was once... Go in your room, get the hell out of grown folks' conversations. Now, yeah, I can go in my room, but I can still be in grown folks' conversations. All I got to do is go on my phone. iPad, phone, internet. You know what I'm saying? So it's very hard being a parent these days. Um, and apparently, many people aren't uh, putting forth value and effort to make those, um, to merge that, you know, to, to merge that, the level of understanding. So being a parent is first. Um, continuing to... Uh, indulge in philanthropy and the curation of community organizing, uh, the galvanization of bringing people together from all different walks of life and spitting up and putting um, uh, thinking vaults together. And in these think tanks, creating ideas that can uh, definitely show a difference, creating the change that we wish to see, you know, in the world. Um, by so, by action, not so much by talking. Today is so easy to get up and talk about what you can do and t- what should be done, but uh, there are many people who have a problem to every solution rather than a solution to every problem. problem. You know, anytime you come up with something, they're always going to extract the wrong from whatever it may be, even if it may be little. At the minimum, 
they'll still do that. So my whole thing is to indulge in community activities that result in rebuilding the villages, reinventing the role models, and uh, cleansing ourselves of the poisons that we've been plagued with in our communities. Just because you grow up in poverty doesn't mean that you have to continue the poison and the plague that goes on. The worst and the lamest excuse that we've been used constantly, constantly is that I'm a victim of my environment mm. or I'm, you know, generational uh, curses, the generational curses. And that's no different than feeling people feeling as if the original Jews were cursed and the children of Abraham were cursed. And, you know, the, the spawns and the seeds of those that have been cast upon and uh, the son of Ham have been cursed in the land. So many people continue to carry on that legacy of that tradition as if that's something that uh, is, you know, is actually true. It's only true if you allow it to be true. Hmm. You're only pigeonholed if you allow yourself to be pigeonholed. One must begin to rise and to continue to circumvent all opportunities and uh, possibilities in this realm. So we don't have to finish where we started. We can finish what we started, but we don't have to finish where we started. And let's continue to keep moving forward. And those are things that I would say are most important to me, far more important than a Grammy or a platinum plaque or any of these other things that, you know, that we dream of and some of us have accomplished and some of us have attained. Uh, to me, their, their plaques on the walls are just show signs of my, my duration in the game and the things that I've done and I'm, I'm happy about them. Never would undermine them. But to see someone come up to me and say, 10 years ago, I stood in line at your backpack giveaway and now I'm graduating from Yale and I appreciate you for... Uh, propelling me and preparing me for some of the activities that I would soon face. I appreciate you. To me, that's more important than, and the winner is. Because mm. I've already won with that. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, doing good while doing good. And it's not even halftime yet. Ain't even halftime yet. <laughs> so last question, I'm going to let you get out of here. NBA Finals are on. Obviously, being from the town, do the Warriors got it? Who's, who are they going to face? Because I already know you have the Warriors going. Who are they gonna face? Well, Coming I'm, out of the East? I'm one. I'm a, a great. Uh, I'm a. I'm a, a, a super basketball fan. You know, um, I'm an. I'm an avid Warriors fan, of course, most definitely. Um, not only just by, because we're being hot. I've been a season ticket holder for 13 years. Um, I've watched us when you know we were the laughing stock of the NBA. Um, I've been there. Been been the same seat for forever. I love my team. I feel like we're in a, a great, great place right now. Um, but we tend to get complacent due to our ability to be so good. You know, being good can be a curse at times. Yeah. Because some of us... Complacent, lax, days are cool. Some of the best ball players that grew up in the hoods and grew up in things, they never made it. Due to the fact of they were always better than everyone else, so they never really maximized their full potential. If you continue to get hear that you're good, you're great, you're expected to win, you're doing this, then you become complacent because now you feel as if you don't have that chip on your shoulder anymore that you have to prove something to someone. And when you go in and you approach, you approach these things, like, oh, I don't got nothing to prove. In actuality, you do. You're going to get busted. You're going to get your ass beat if you don't have anything. <laughs> you prove, prove that you are who you are to be where you are. Prove that. And you prove that by winning. And you prove that by being dedicated to the original plan. The original plan is to go out, go play basketball, go give it to your full max potential, and go win some championships. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we've set out to do with this organization and rebuilding and reshaping. Um, Bob Myers has done a great job with creating the team that um, we've created over these few years. Um, and we look good. Um, so in asking me um, 
Do I feel like the Warriors are going to go back to the finals? I hope that they are, and I wish that they are. I'm, I'm betting on them to go. So in my mind, yes. Um, my professional perspective would be let's take it a game at a time and go out and go play Warriors basketball. I feel that in, in the NBA, if the Warriors are playing at their best game every night, I don't think that anyone in the NBA can beat them right now in the seven-game series. Right. But once again, like you said, it's that if. But it's those ifs. If. if they're going to go out and give a valiant effort every night. Yeah. Game two, we had a chance to see five starters contribute over 15 points or better. That's insane when you look at that. When you look at each player has more than 15 points on the team, on roster, that's amazing. You have Iguodala coming off the bench, looking like he just went through a time machine, giving you 16. When Draymond, Livingston is coming off, play well. When Draymond Green is scoring, I feel like it's impossible for us to beat. We're actually 27-0 when he has a triple-double. Um, Kevin Durant is the most unstoppable player that I feel like this generation has ever seen. Ever. Um, Steph Curry is arguably the greatest shooter that this has ever seen. Klay Thompson is the most... Uh, 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 the best two-way player in the NBA outside of Kawhi Leonard. You know what I'm saying? We play two-way players. He can he can guard the best defender, and he's streaky. But when he's on, he's on. He's on fire, right. and it's a beautiful thing when those spurts come through. They come through at the right time. <laughs> um, and we have a great coaching staff. So yes, I feel like the Warriors are going to go to the finals. Who will be our opponent? Um, the way Milwaukee is playing is amazing. Um, I feel like they're coming in, and you know they lost the first game to Boston. But they're they're digging it out. They're they they have no answer to the Greek freak. He's he's another unstoppable player. He's the new Kevin Durant. One or dribble the, from half court and dunk. dunk. <laughs> I just say I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> Without the NBA three steps, is actually taking two steps. Like you know what I'm saying? Like he's he's it's crazy. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I've never seen anyone like him. Um, <clears throat> Milwaukee is looking good. I love Philadelphia. Mm. Um, if you ask me where I want to go, if we go to the finals, because, you know, we travel and we go to the final games, I would love to go to Philly. I think that atmosphere would be amazing, you know, to see how to be around those guys. I'm yeah. pretty sure, you know, me and Gilly will crack jokes all night. Me, Gilly, and uh, watch Iverson and those guys do do their thing. Um, Toronto has some of the most prettiest women in facts. The North- I go to Carabana every year, so. <laughs> the, has the prettiest women in North America. Uh, you know, the, this whole continent, Toronto's insane. So, I, you know, I wouldn't mind going to Toronto to go watch those guys and, you know, try to get as close to Drake as I possibly can and talk some shit. That's my guy. Um, but um, I, I, don't, I don't mind, man, whoever we go play. Let's just go out and play. You know, I hope that the team can be efficient, play Warriors basketball um, and, and, and bring another championship because the sad part about it is the Oakland, the Golden State Warriors are leaving Oakland next year mm. and they're going to go play in San Francisco, which is still great for the Bay Area, but for the people that are in Oakland, California, that have, have lived their whole life with the Warriors Knowing. being here in our mm-hmm. backyard, that's an unfortunate situation. But what's even more um, uh, disheartening to that is the hundreds of jobs that will be lost and the displacement and the economy of what that does. A lot of people, it puts them in a disposition because the new Chase Center won't hire any of the previous employees. They're going to start with a whole new staff. So they so have to re-go through So it's going to be hundreds of jobs of people that are going to be out of work, um, which is unfortunate. And, and those are the things that are bigger than sports that my mind is more folk, so focused on. But if the Warriors can go out and get a championship and three-peat, um, I think they would be arguably put in the, 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 the ranks of possibly the greatest NBA team ever. Mm, I feel that. Well, hey, you know, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. I appreciate you coming to sit down with me. Well, me coming to you and sitting down. It's all good. Um, just to keep up with you, your Twitter handles, what are you most active on? What, where um, can we tap in? What can we help out with? Well, I dribble in both, man. I still dribble on the Twitter uh, court. Um, 
So, Mr. Fab, you know, I, I dribble on there. You know, I definitely slide and Euro step on that Instagram often. <laughs> uh, so, you feel me? It's uh, Fabby Davis Jr. one. And, uh, you know, I'm the most accessible man in the world, man. If not, pull up to the Dope Air store, 1764 on Broadway, Oakland, California. Come see us. And, uh, man, I appreciate you coming out, man. And, you know, I want to knock it out, man. I, anytime we get a chance to build with some brothers, that's about, you know, building. In life, you're going to be builders or you're going to be destroyers. And we must align ourselves with the builders. Um, there is no way that a builder can efficiently build anything with the ranks of and the likes of any destroyers for destroyers' natural mind state is to destroy everything that they've built. So uh, let's remove ourselves from the destroyers and keep that energy out of our life. And let's continue to uh, recreate and build this ascending tower of Babel. And uh, let's go to the heavens with higher level of intellect and understanding for each other. My man, Mr. Fab, y'all. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Once again, is your host, Boogie the Beast. Thank you so much for tuning in on Say It Loud. Until the next time, stay black, stay woke. Love y'all. You are tuned into the Say It Loud podcast. Say it loud. It's funny. It's deep. It's lit. Say it loud. Say it loud. Best podcast I've ever listened to.